Salut. Bienvenue au podcast de Tribble Trip. Welcome to the Travel Tribe Podcast. Off the west coast of British Columbia's Vancouver Island lies Freedom Cove, a floating man-made island made of recycled materials. Artists Wayne Adams and Catherine King have been building and rebuilding this refuge over the last 25 years, and they join us this week to share their experiences living off the grid. Enjoy this week's episode of Travel Tribe Podcast. Can you tell me a little bit about the inspiration for uh, this lifestyle and starting Freedom Cove? Yes, well, actually, uh, this year we will be out here 30 years, and... When we decided to start this project, it came from the love of nature that we both have and that we are artists that are inspired by nature. So that's what started us off. Very cool. And so what were you doing prior to Freedom Cove? We were doing our homework. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really old now, so this didn't come early. Uh, we've done a lot of things in our lives to be able to do this so yeah yeah we've done a lot of things and we were as prepared as one could be to do a project like this and uh tell me a little bit about the location that you guys chose and, and why you chose uh the one that you settled upon simply we're living in the center of the temperate rainforest which is very important we're here because we're inspired as artists i've been a carver for 50 years so it goes into my work and I'm inspired by nature and we're immersed in it. So we're living on the ocean in the middle of the temperate rainforest, which is a very uh, inspiring place to be. And, and nature is my guide. And so we're here to be inspired and do the work and, and be the artists that we are. And the cove that we chose has two key things. It has a water supply that comes from an old lake, and it gives us the greatest protection one could have in the area from storms. So those were very important. The year that we came out and started exploring, we were living in Tofino, which is the nearest town to where we live, about 10 miles by water. We were able to explore the area, look around and see, well, what would give us exactly what we need? And this gave us exactly what we need. And a storm ash blew in all the wood. We were staying in a cabin about six miles from where the cove is that we chose. Uh, it belonged to a friend of ours and he stayed in our place in town while we stayed there. And during this storm, all this wood blew in and we gathered it up and we took that as a really good sign that we were on the right track and that it was time to do it. I, I love it. What were some of those first uh, years like? Were there any kind of big challenges that you guys uh, didn't foresee? Yeah, it's a, it's a learn by doing experience. And, you know, we didn't have many guides but I, I've done a lot of things and we're, we're, we're worldly. We both traveled in our lives and I've been a builder since I was a little boy. So I've done a lot of things to be able to set this up. When you make mistakes, you fix them. And I spent a lot, my first three years doing that because I had no one to ask him what to do. 
And where we are now, we've built our own floating island. That's how big it is. And we're the first to do it in this country. So we are, we are breaking a lot of ice to be able to do this. And we're not normal people. That's what, for sure. <laughs> uh, one, one of the key things was uh, learning how to arrange our floating buildings so that they would move all together when we were hit by storm winds rather than bump into each other. So the first couple of years was a great exploration and how to make that happen. And we had many nights where we were up in the middle of the night checking ropes and making sure everything was holding together. And then Wayne figured it out. I'll let him explain to you how he did that. <laughs> Uh, trial and error. It's all about making mistakes, this kind of lifestyle. And that fits me perfectly. We're floating a million pounds now. And it all moves. It's built to move. I have a flexible system. I've been a model maker since I was a little boy. And I'm in my model. And that's what I tell young people. Make models of your dreams. And then you know what to do when you're ready to do it. And so that's the history behind being able to make something like this. I've made a model of it. And then we change the model uh, as we go. We get hurricane force winds, and that's something we really have to learn to deal with, and we have. Very good. I like how you said it's trial and error, and I'm already picturing uh, the ropes breaking off on the island and you guys ending up in New Zealand and realizing, okay, we have to go back and rebuild back. And I'm, just, I'm just... Yeah, it's, it's um, entirely fine. <laughs> and I know that you just mentioned that nature is a huge inspiration uh, for you. And I watched some video clips of your uh, cove. And I was wondering, can you t talk a little bit more about the sustainability features of your cove? Yes. Well, it's, it's all about energy and, and being comfortable to be able to make a living and do it yourself. Yes, I have a solar system and a generator backup because we're in a temperate climate and it isn't always sunny here. So we have mixed energy to be able to do what we're doing, and it's working really well. As far as the garden, learning to live away and, and grow your own food is was Catherine's dream. My job is to be handy and, and, and try, try to float it all. But really, it was Catherine's dream to, to have her own garden. She's a vegetarian, and our dream was to grow our own food or what we can grow here and trade with our neighbors and do more than we need and work with each other. There's a few people that live away, not a lot, and we all have that same philosophy of try to do what you can and do it well, and trade with your neighbors, and uh, we're very neighborly here, and, 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 and we work with each other if we can. I just wanted to add also that as well as uh, the solar and uh, generator, we have a waste purification system that deals with our waste. So that's another way that we're sustainable. It's actually called a go green waste purification and it turns everything back into pure water. Yes, we have sewage treatment. And it, just out of curiosity, what kind of uh, vegetables are you, are you growing over there? So I have a wide variety of plants. <laughs> I grow every kind of vegetable you can think of from those that uh, need heat, like tomatoes and eggplant and uh, cucumber, to those that really like the cool, damp system that we live in. So broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, kale, collard greens. I have asparagus, carrots, parsnip, peas, beans. I could go on. Many, many varieties. And I have 
uh, fruits and berries when they're in season, uh, herbs and edible flowers, and then plants that just look beautiful as well. <laughs> I'm just actually coming off a meatless March. So I spent the month of March not eating any meat. And uh, it really makes you appreciate the good, high quality vegetables in your diet. Just so I can kind of visualize. Thank you. Just so I can visualize what it looks like uh, in your community. What is it like when you guys trade and barter? Do you guys have some kind of group where you guys post on what's needed? Or is it just very informal, you meet up every other weekend and just trade whatever someone else has that's cool in their house? Or how does it look like? We're, we're pretty independent people here and it's seasonal. So that uh, although we're in the place of only two places in Canada, you can grow a garden year round and this is one of them. So when we have too much and our neighbors are, are having too much, we're spontaneous and, and, and that's sort of the way it works. We're all pretty independent, but if we've got to too much we will trade and barter with our neighbors and uh, that's sort of how we work spontaneously day by day mm -hmm. we, we didn't come here to be isolated from everyone we came here to do what we could do really well and network with each other we believe we mm -hmm. need each other we don't believe that we can live separate we have to work together to do well that's our dream i know that you also are really into art um, and you guys have um, an art gallery as well in your in your facility. Tell me a little bit, what kind of art do you guys usually do? Well, I'll answer simply. I'm a carver and a builder, and Catherine does everything else. <laughs> but I can never answer that. Yeah. I'm a multimedia person to dance professionally, so I have my own dance floor here, so I can still move around. And, um, I was an actress as well and play music. so. I express myself in many different ways. Being so involved in in, uh, in dance and in theater or acting, did you find it a big challenge uh, transitioning into a more isolated uh, lifestyle? I was ready for it. I had been working um, very hard all my life, living in the city, doing that type of work and uh, to be honest, I was burning out. I had injured myself and I knew that I needed a change. And since I was a little girl, I had always wanted to live out in nature. So I was ready for that adjustment and that shift. When we first made the move, I call it a deceleration process you go through. You do have to go through withdrawal from having instant gratification, going to the corner store or things like that, the movie theater, etc. But once I got through that, um, then I was just so thankful and so glad to be here. And I feel like I get filled up and nourished every day with this wonderful environment that we live in. Speaking of your day-to-day, -day, it looks like you guys are pretty busy on the island. Can you walk us through what does a typical day look like at Freedom Cove? Well, I try to sleep in while Catherine does all the work. <laughs> That's a good start. After <laughs> 30 years, we sort of we have our own things. It's like a homesteader's lifestyle. Art is one of the things we do. There's about eight subjects a day and I've never lost that. So we have to do things to be real here. It's a homesteader's lifestyle. Catherine has to do her chores. I have to do mine, firewood and all of that. So we spend a good part of our day uh, doing those basic things you have to do to survive. And then when we can on those rainy days and stuff, we squeeze in our art and, and do that. 
we live by weather as much as we can. So it's not that we sit around do art all day. Uh, we do it when we can, and we just try to be real and and do those things you have to do to survive. And it's seasonal as well. Our our chores are different according to the season. So right now we're in heavy planting time. So I'm doing a lot of planting and moving and digging of dirt and a lot of potting up. I have four greenhouses and I also have lights inside the house so that the plants that require more heat get a good start that way. So I've got a constant spinning of plates of moving um, and planting and seeding of plants going on currently. In the winter time, as Wayne said, that's when we have more time to be creative. Our chores go in a different direction. Firewood is huge at that time of year. So Wayne and my son are out almost every day beachcombing for firewood. And, and that's a, a continued process throughout the year, of course. But they like to um, get ahead of it and build up a certain load of it uh, as we're going into winter. As people are experiencing this pandemic or are locked up in apartments in, in city centers and they kind of envision or dream about places like this out in the wild where they can kind of get away and be free, what are maybe some of the more difficult aspects of the lifestyle or challenges that people usually don't consider or think about uh, that you guys face well, you know, some of the best parts of my life is being alone. Uh, what we have to understand is life is alone work. And me, I do very well with loners, people that do things on their own. But I was taught that very young in, in my life, to get out there and do what you have to do alone and, and, and share that with other people. So it's really a, a learning and teaching that was taught to me very young. I did my boyhood in Australia. And so I've traveled and they taught me very young how to experience the wilderness and how to be alone and accomplish things. So I think this pandemic is teaching people how to be alone more. And that's not such a bad place to be because for me, I'm able to uh, do what I do and share it with my family and neighbors and make contribution in my life. I was taught that very young. You had to do things. So I'm a doer, and, and every, all of my friends are the same way, and, and I'm, I'm networking with like-minded people. But I do, and I'm known for working alone, and I, I really love that part of life. And I think people are starting to realize it's important to be alone to know who you are. I know who I am and what I am to my people. I, I have an identity, and I worked at that. So it made me uh, happy to be who I am. And I'm getting some feedback on that. Uh, people are learning to be alone. And that's a very important thing to do and love yourself. That way you have something to share. But I was taught that very young. It's taken a long time for that to come. And 30 years here has been a big help to me to be myself. It's become very important, I think, for people to be themselves without being told mm -hmm. what to do. Make contribution. And, and I'm, that's a very big part of my life, both of us. Another thing to say, and one of the biggest uh, questions that people ask us is, uh, how do you get along with each other when you're living <laughs> beside each other day to day? Just the two of us. How do you handle that? Yeah. <laughs>
we actually like <laughs> like each other, <laughs> and and we do actually like each other. And I would say, however, that you really want to know that your relationship is solid before coming out to do something like this together. You couldn't possibly do it if it wasn't. <laughs> it's funny you guys bring that up. I actually, our last guests uh, have been living on a boat together for, I think, seven or eight years sailing the world. And I just had a, had a child. And that's the first, one of the first questions I had was, what do you guys do when you guys get in an argument with each other? Do you just walk five feet away and go sit and pout in the other corner? Because there's really nowhere to get away as opposed to being over there and going to the woods or getting your own space. <laughs> and if I might ask, how long have you guys yes. been together for? We've been together 35 years. We've been together 35 years and we got formally married out here 11 years later. And we had our anniversary yesterday, actually. It was Wayne's birthday and our anniversary when we got married. So we celebrated that yesterday. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Congratulations to you guys. That's quite an achievement. Many people probably cannot say they've handled it that long with their with their partners. So congratulations on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Homework is very important. <laughs> I also just wanted to, for people who uh, don't can't see what Freedom Cove looks like, can you give us a little visual of what the island looks like and what it's made up of? Well, it's interesting. Technology is so important today, and I've used modern technology. It, it didn't exist before we came here. It, it grew as we did in fish farming. So I've recycled that technology. Rather than build a farm, I built an island out of the same materials. They're older materials. It took me 12 years to, to do it because it, it was fatigued systems. But to build my own island, I used that modern technology. And now I'm floating a million pounds on the ocean, which has never been done here before for a home. And that's created a lot of interest in the world of the technologies there now to be able to float on liquid, lake, river, or ocean where you can have a life. And that was never available before. So I, I'm a science background. I, I graduated in sciences. So it's an applied science kind of thinking, model making, and learn by doing. So it's it's a lifestyle that requires you to get up in the morning and, and fill your day and uh, build a dream. So technology is very important. And it's it was available. And I, it's taken a long time. But now you see what I, I've done with it. And we're in a cove that's very secluded. It's a very rare spot. It, it is protected from winter storms and, and, and waves and ocean current. So it's a very unusual site. It's very rare. And it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to do this. So it's not usual. It's a very unusual spot to be. Very rare. Mm -hmm. So if you landed at our place, you would arrive at my dance floor. It doubles as a docking zone and my dance floor. And we have two whale ribs that are the arches that enter into what we call the bower. Wayne grew up part of his childhood in Australia and got to know the bower bird. And he creates a beautiful bower to attract his mates. So the whole system is designed after that. So you walk through the arches. And your, uh, there's plants on either side as you walk in and you walk straight through. You'll see halfway through that main walkway, 
there's a beautiful pole that Wayne has carved. And at the top of that pole is the bowerbird himself. And then you keep going and you wind up at our house, the home that we live in. And to the left of the house is our woodshed. To the right of the house is our first large greenhouse. And then you would keep going around in a semicircle that way. And the other three greenhouses exist as well as a, a candle factory, we call it, where we make molds of our carvings and turn them into candles. And the power building man cave that has a generator, our washing machine and Wayne's hangout. <laughs> and then you have another building that's my woman cave where I go to do my artwork. And then in the center, you have the gallery. In front of the gallery, you have our floating beach. And then that leads you back to the main walkway again. So that gives you a little bit of a description of how the buildings are laid out. And we're tied into shore in a spiderweb formation, which is what allows all the buildings to move together when we get hit by the wind without bumping into each other. For someone who's interested in maybe taking the leap of, you know, kind of building their own sustainable housing out in the wild or kind of getting away from it all, uh, are there any kind of tips or recommendations you would have for them? Well, you know, where you are and where you to be is very important. And today, things have changed on the west coast of Canada. You can't do anything without authorization. You just can't. It's not that simple. But for me, it was most important. I'm living in a place where the people here are very special. I live between two villages. One's First Nations and one is Nod. And the people here are, are working people. So we, it's very important that if you're going to be somewhere, who are the people around you? And I had an open door to be able to experiment and do things here. There's quite a few artists that live here. So I, I live amongst people that are creative, that work hard, and, and we're good neighbors for each other. But really, the idea of being isolated and alone is something that we, we enjoy, and the people here too, too. So it sure matters to the people around you and what's possible. There's a lot of places here you can't do this. It's just not possible. But there are people, when you get it far enough away, that are open to you doing things and, and want the children to be more than just university students. They want to get them out in nature and be practical. So it's a practical experience, and you have to be around practical people. So I live in a place where the people actually like us, and we get along with each other. And I think that's the most important thing. And what's possible? Uh, well, that's an open door. And my, I say to young children, be creative. Make a model of your dreams, and then you know what to do around people that really enjoy you. So it's to, to us, it's all about the people and the environment. There's two kinds of universities. One's the institution, and the other is nature. And we do both. And that's what we say, do both. Use your skills. Do your homework. And be creative. That's sort of how we sit on it. And we're doing things that haven't been done before. It's a brand new world, and I say jump on it. Take it. But there are places you cannot do this. But we live in a place that was possible. And, and you got to be crazy. Not, not everyone wants, you, wants to do this. 
you got to be you got to be nuts to move away and, and live away from each each other. There's a lot of people that would not do this. So um, yeah, it's a very unusual thing to do, and then it it fits us perfectly. And you have to be able to live moment to moment and take what comes. Nature is always full of surprises, and you never know for sure what's going to happen from day to day. So you have to be willing to face those challenges, be adventurous, be courageous, not be afraid of changes that happen in a split second. And that happens out here. I've met every animal in Canada you can meet, except the polar bear and the muskox. So I've met wolves, cougars, bears, everything here. And I'm still here to talk about it. I'm immersed amongst a very alive place. It's very wild here. And I did a lot of things before I lived with them. We live amongst nature and we live around the wild animals and we don't intrude. They all walk around us, they're on the land and we're on the ocean. So it's a wonderful place to experience the nature in Canada right here. It's very big. It seems like you guys have found your little gem over there in Freedom Cove. I don't live in fear of nature. It's it's a learning thing. And, and, and I, I, I don't... I don't have that fear, but I started very young and I was taught by Australian Aborigines how to immerse myself in nature and be part of it, not separate from nature. We're part of nature and, and uh, we're being sort of misled as far as uh, eliminating ourselves from it. But we live in a very wild place. There's very few people here. So it, it's a very special place where it's still alive. And uh, that's very important to, to me. You also realize when you've been living out here long enough that not only are you part of nature, but you, if you're living consciously, uh, can make a choice to enhance nature. So, for example, we are this floating island and all the creatures in the cove have become used to us. So they make us part of their daily life. All the fish come here to reproduce, so they hang out underneath our floating island and are able to hide from predators so they can do that function. All the water birds swim around us and enjoy the ropes and all the things that grow on the ropes. To They, they eat those things. The crows and... Um, Robins and all the other land birds come and become part of our garden, nest in our garden, find places to feel safe and protected. So it's wonderful when you begin to see that we're all engaging with each other, all the aspects of nature, and we're part of that. Very beautiful indeed. As we're wrapping things up here, I was just kind of curious after 30 years on Freedom Cove and living this quite adventurous lifestyle, like it sounds like from being in Australia to uh, building this 1 million pound island in Canada, what were some of the key takeaways you would, you would like to share? I just simply think it's people should know to learn by doing. That's the big thing I, I, I put out. Uh, do things, make mistakes. If it wasn't mistakes, you wouldn't learn anything. And this is my life of mistakes. And I, I've done a lot of things. And I think that's a wonderful life to be able to be a doer and make contribution to your family and everyone around you. 
I think being part of nature, not separate from it, is a way of life, and it's certainly mine. And I would like to add, trust your heart and think for yourself. We all have been given this beautiful gift of life, and we all have something wonderful to add, each of us, each individual, to this world we live in. So listen to your heart, listen to your desires, listen to what your soul self says, this is how you're to live this life. If you're doing that, then you're adding your spark, your element to this world. I was very young to learn how to choose my teachers. Uh, choose those people that can share their knowledge so you can be a, an independent individual. That's been very big in my life. All right. Well, I will end things there. I want to thank you, Catherine and Wayne, so much for being a part of our Travel Tribe podcast. It was a pleasure to get a little taste of what your life is like out there in the wilderness of Canada and living on your island. I really enjoyed it and I enjoyed some of these key takeaways from your 30 years of experience out in the wild with nature and building your sustainable living over there. So I want to thank you guys so much for coming on today. Thank you very much. It's an honor. Thank you so much, Jordan. We really enjoyed it. I hope <laughs> life takes you in many good places and uh, all the best to everything you're doing. Well, that does it for this week's episode of Travel Tribe Podcast. Join us each Tuesday as we release new episodes with great adventures. Until then, remember, the most dangerous thing you can do in life is to play it safe. Stay adventurous.